welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, this is part two of my message that I started last week. Um, I'm not recapping, so again, go back and hear last week's sermon. It was the greatest sermon you'll ever hear. Um, and I know I jest, and I know I said that last week, and I'm about to say it again. I just was talking to Jesh um, shortly, um, not that long ago. This is going to be the greatest sermon you're ever going to hear. And I know I said that last, last week, and I know I said that probably the time before, and here's a principle that I just want to um, encourage and challenge you all with, is with God, you don't go backwards. You just don't go backwards. With God, you're always going forwards. So you might say, Lee, you're being a bit confident saying this is the greatest sermon you're ever going to hear, because it is. Because this week I grew in my relationship with the Lord, which means when I speak this morning, it's coming from a greater increase than what I had last Sunday. How cool is that? And it's going to be the greatest sermon you've ever heard. Why? Because this week you grew in the Lord, which means your ears are a bit more open to hear something a bit, bit different that God's going to do in your heart. <laughs> so here we go. Luke 5, 1 to 11. I will say point number one was attitude. So here we go. We're going to do point number two. I might just read this. Israel, I don't know if the, point, if, if the passage is there, but um, do what you do. Now it happened that when Jesus, sorry, Luke 5, 1 to 11, now it happened that while Jesus was standing at the lake, Sea of Galilee, where the people crowded all around him and listening to his word, that he saw two boats boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out and they were um, washing their nets. He got into the boat, which was Simon's, and asked him to pull out a little distance from the shore and he sat down, began teaching the crowds from the boat. So that was point one, attitude, inconvenience, Simon Peter had a good attitude. Here we go. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, Master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. When they came and filled both boats with fish, so that they began to sink. But when God saw Simon, sorry, but when Simon Peter saw this, he fell to his knees saying, go away from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all his companions were completely astounded at the catch of fish which they had taken. And when James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter, Jesus said to Simon, have no fear, from now on you'll be catching men. After they had brought their boats into land and left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. Point number two comes from verse four and five. I hope you guys read this homework that I gave last week and got some great insight. Four and five says this, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, pull out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch of fish. Simon replied, master, we worked hard all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets, but at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. Point number two is a word that we don't like hearing, we don't like using, we don't like being thrown in our face, obedience. Who likes that word? Obedience. I've been teaching, I teach Jude, I taught Bella at a young age and same with Jude, are you being disobedient? I don't like to say are you being naughty, are you being disobedient? So they know exactly what obedient and disobedient means. But disobedient is a word that we don't use often because it has negative 
emotions attached to it. And here's Simon Peter. (laughs) But at your word, I will do as you say. He walked in absolute obedience, even though he'd been exhausted, even though he had worked all night, even though he had fished all night and caught not one single fish. When Jesus asked him to do something, he says, at your word, I will do it. At your word, I will do it. Here's the amazing thing about this. Jesus hadn't performed a miracle at yet, as yet. They haven't seen Jesus feed the 5,000. They haven't seen him turn water into one. They haven't seen him healed anyone. They haven't seen him do any of this. But yet they're saying, at your word, Simon Peter, at your word, I will do as you say. With no foundation of what Jesus is even capable of. With no understanding, no history, no nothing. He's saying, at your word, Jesus, I'm going to do as you say. Wow. Wow. It's not like they've been friends for 10 years, even one year or one week. They haven't even been following Jesus at this point. They haven't heard his teachings. Here's Jesus gathering his disciples. This is one of the first encounters they're having with Jesus. And yet their full trust, his full reliance, his full, oh my goodness, at your word, Jesus, I'll do what you say, is a Astounding. He's not going by feelings. He's not going by, I'm feeling tired. I can't be bothered. I've got a bad attitude because you've kept me up and you've crowded my beach with all these people. And all I want to do is pack up, wash my nets and go home. Instead, he says, at your word, I will do what you say. At your word, I will do this. I was thinking about my life and newsflash, I'm not perfect. Some of you might think so, just so you know not perfect. And so I teach my children to ask questions. I'm massive on this. I personally, it's probably my personality, I love asking questions. I'm not the greatest at it. I'm definitely on a journey and I'm being intentional about learning to ask great questions. But it's a core value of mine where I love to ask questions. So consequently, I teach my four and six-year-old to ask questions. Bella and Jude, go clean your room. No. Okay, what's a great question you could ask around this? Hey, mum, can we finish this game and then clean the room? Sure, of course you can. Great idea. We learn to ask questions and have a dialogue because it's so important in life. I don't know everything going on in their life. I don't know every thought that they've got, what they're doing. I don't understand half the games that they even play. I don't know that that was a really important game and me asking them to clean was going to interrupt their game. No idea. And so them asking questions instead of just getting upset at me because I don't understand what I've just done is so important. Them asking questions to learn to discover a situation, myself asking questions to gain understanding and insight into a situation instead of being offended. Hey, what did you mean by this? When you pulled that face at me, can you just put some words so I understand what happened in the shift of our conversation? Asking questions is a key importance in human lives. And I ask God questions all the time. I'm not saying it's a negative. It's definitely not a negative. I see it as a positive. I ask questions like, why? Because I'm inquisitive and I like to know answers and I like to gain understanding and I like to do things. And I don't know all the answers, so in asking, I love it. But here when I read this, Simon Peter, who knows absolutely nothing about Jesus other than John pointing him out, says, I'll do as you say. No questions asked. No questions about, but why will it be different this time, Jesus? 
But I fished all night. There was no fish and I'm a fisherman. I've been a fisherman since birth and you're not a fisherman. You're a carpenter. So what would you even know anyway? Why all of a sudden do you think there's going to be fish out there? They didn't ask these questions. Jesus spoke and they said yes. Does it mean my, my question asking is, is bad? I don't believe so. The difference between me and God, and let's be honest, there are infinity differences. The one I want to highlight right now is I'm not perfect. So when my children ask a question of me, more times than not, they shift my answer. Because I don't understand everything going on in that moment. I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what's going on. I'm not, I live finite. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 minutes and an hour in a week. I know the promises over their life that I hold on to and I speak over them, but I don't know everything. So in my imperfect life, I do the best I can with the knowledge that I have right now. But God, because he's God, knows everything past, present, future for everyone. So when he speaks, he speaks from the perspective of, I know everything. I know what's best for your life and I know what's best for their life. So when I say do this, it's not because I'm being whatever. It's because I know what's best for you and what's best for them. Does it mean me asking questions is bad? No. But there's also obedience. Obedience is a big deal. It's a big deal. Will I continue to ask questions? Yeah, God made me. But in the questions, am I going to choose obedience? Yeah, absolutely. And wait till you hear how hard that's going to get for me at the end of this message. But at your word. Point number three comes from verse six and seven. When you have done this, sorry, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help and they were filled with, sorry, and they came and filled both boats full of fish so they began to sink. Point number three, I wrote overflow. With God, you can't lose. With God, you don't even break even. Some of us sometimes can have the mindset of, but it costs me something to follow Jesus. Does it? Like when you think about it, does it cost you something? Like, yeah, the fishermen were tired and exhausted. They didn't want to go back out. So you could say it costed them because they probably wanted to go to sleep for a couple of hours. But the catch that they caught, did it really cost them? Because the catch they caught was the greatest catch that they've ever caught. When we live in overflow, our life... Like, I used to think, when I read this passage as a teenager, yes, I've read my Bible since a young age, I used to think, Jesus... Why on earth would you put that many fish in that their nets were at breaking point and the boat started to sink? Why would you do that? And then as I've been studying this over the last couple of weeks, I went, oh my goodness, but the nets didn't break and the boat didn't sink because it got to shore. 
God was showing us His abundance, that He will overflow and bless our life. His goodness is to the point of no more can come into our life. No more can come in. It is that good. He's not just saying, here's a little bit of goodness to get through today. He's saying, no, it's at the point of the net breaking. It's at the point of the boat sinking, but it doesn't sink because it makes it back to shore. Our lives need to represent and look like overflow in every area of our life. This year has been the hardest year of my life, hands down. And for those that actually know my story, know this. 10 years ago, no, 15 years ago, I preached a message here about I don't have a testimony. I've been a church kid my whole life. Nothing bad has happened to my life. My life has been easy. I thank God that my life has been easy. A couple of months after that, Justin and I separated for a year and a half. (laughs) I'm glad no one heard that. I went through hell. And then I went, okay, I've got my testimony. (laughs) All right, God, I've got it. I can understand when people go through hard times. I've been through a hard time now. Gee, that was a walk in the park compared to this year. And that's just the truth. Jeepers, this year has been hard. But yet in that, joy abounds. Why? Because Holy Spirit is within. It's not fake. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life. Therefore, joy is in pain. Joy is in heartache. Joy is in sorrow. Why? Because Holy Spirit is there. So in amongst our lives of overflow and our lives of my net is nearly breaking because His goodness is flowing my life. It might go, it doesn't make sense. That's our God. It doesn't make sense. That's who He is. That's who He is. So in amongst everything going on in our lives, here's Jesus filling us with His goodness, His provision, His kindness to the point where our nets and our lives are almost breaking. It is overflowing. My brothers got married within a year of each other about seven years ago, give or take. My brother Matt got married first and and we're from Sydney so all the relatives came up from Sydney to to Matt's wedding and at the time my dad had a boat. I hate fishing, hate boats, well that's strong language, sorry, it's not my favourite thing and um, and so they all, like two days after the wedding, my dad, my uncles, my cousins out fishing and it was like every line that they put in, they were then winding up another one. It was an abundance of fish. That night over dinner, my uncle Ray, who's a mix of cultures and a phenomenal cook, just made the best dinner. The celebration that has like, he's deep frying it, making these sauces to drip all over it. It was unbelievable. The atmosphere in the house was electric. Everyone was so excited and it was so positive and everyone's cheering each other and laughing and we're playing games, we're eating good food and it was great. Less than a year later, my brother Mitch gets married. They go fishing. Zip. Zip. So I go to mum and dad's thinking we're going to have another feast. It's going to be the best night ever. And it was like, take me home now. Don't want to be here. You guys suck. (laughs) Love my family. To the point where they actually went back to Sydney a day earlier 
because it's boring. Oh, that's, yeah. And I'm not offended. <laughs> family, you get away with that stuff. Sorry, some families. <laughs> when you're in overflow, it's contagious and fun and everyone wants to be there. That's our life as Christians. Everyone should see your life and want to just hang out with you. Everyone should see my life and be messed. Hey, that's, that's, I just want to hang out. Can we hang out soon? <laughs> Let's spend time together. That's who our God is. When we step in obedience, that's what it looks like. Point number four comes from verse 8 to 10, the first half of 10. Love it. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all the companions were completely astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. I'm going to do this point really, really quick. Our kids are in quarantine. They were sick, so we're just not... No, not COVID quarantine, just Justin's office quarantine. (laughs) They were sick this week, so we thought we would save germs possibly being spread. Point number four. This one's a quick one. I don't feel to harp on it. Awareness. When miracles happen, people are acutely aware of their own shortcomings. When Jesus shows up, people are aware that I am a sinful person. The world doesn't need us to tell them what they're doing wrong. They need to see Jesus. They need us to live a life that we believe And show them Jesus. Signs, wonders and miracles will follow those who believe. The world needs that. They don't need to be pointed at, judged, criticised. Jesus does it. God, God is big enough to handle that. He just needs us to do our bit. And what does he ask of us? He doesn't ask us to do that. He asks us to be obedient, to be believers and actually allow the world to see him through us. Point number five. I've got like a 10-point conclusion as well, everyone. Comes from the last verse of 10 and 11. Jesus said to Simon... Have no fear, from now on you'll be catching men. After they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him, becoming his disciples, believing and trusting in him and following his example. Point number five I wrote as calling. God turned their jobs, fishers of men, into a calling. Sorry, fishers of fish, fishermen, 
What's the word? You know what I mean. Fishes of fish. Am I saying that right? Into fishes of men. God turned their job into a calling. Now, I know that doesn't apply right now, like because there's no fishermen in here that I'm aware of. There might be some hobby fishermen, but not career fishermen. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't apply to our lives. We align our priorities with God's priorities. And Jesus called his disciples, followers of him, that's you and I, to be fishers of men. We're called to do that. We're called to carry that. That's, that's what we're called to do in our workplaces, in our jobs, wherever we go, the shops, wherever we go, our neighbourhood, wherever we go with our families, that we are called to be fishers of men. The Passion Translation says this for the same words. It says, catch men for salvation. Here's the best part about this. Catching men in Greek, so here, in verse, end of verse 10, and you will be catching men. This is what Jesus tells, calls his disciples to, you and I. The Greek word, not going to try and say it, means this. To capture alive, capture, to take alive, capture for life. See, fishes of, fishes of fish, this is going to get confusing now. Fishes of fish, they fish for fish. So fish are completely unaware that their life is about to be completely destroyed. Fish are just swimming, doing their fish thing. And then they get caught, and then the moment they get caught, their life is destroyed. They're literally killed and destroyed. Literally. That's what you do with fish. You eat it. You kill it, you eat it. And here in the Greek, it's saying no longer are you going to kill and destroy what you catch. You're actually going to bring to life what you catch. They are once in darkness, now in light. Are you not getting this? This is like John 10.10 10 displayed. The thief came to steal, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. For fish, they get killed and destroyed, but we get to see humans and go, I'm going to catch you for salvation. You were in darkness, now you're in light. For you are now caught to come alive. You're going to come alive. This is what we get to do. See people come alive. Flynn agrees. Honestly, let him walk around, James. See, Adam and Eve, here's my conclusion, which goes for a bit. Adam and Eve were told to be fruitful and multiply. Side note, if you're struggling to conceive... It's a promise and a command. So you tell God, God, you told me to be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, <laughs> you told me, therefore. So that's why I'm quite passionate about people in this, because God says, do it. So Adam and Eve are told, be fruitful and multiply. And so then when Jesus came and declared his disciples, to be fishers of men, he's saying, be fruitful and multiply, born again. You're going to do what Adam and Eve were multiplying on the earth. You need to multiply for the kingdom. You need to see people born again into the kingdom. The catch is in God's hands. You know, 
God wants nothing more but to see people caught for salvation where the nets are at the point of breaking and the boat sinking. This is what God's heart is. This is his heart. It's his heart. Not just that we experience his goodness, but that people are born again. I find it fascinating that the first thing Jesus, when he calls his disciples, like this is Jesus from Matthew that I spoke, last week I spoke about Matthew and Mark, and then this week Luke. When he's calling his disciples, the very first thing he speaks over them is that they're going to be fishers of men. The very first thing. Like the very first thing he asks, he declares, he speaks over, is you're going to be a fisher of men. So when he sees your life, the first thing he asks is, you're going to be fishers of men. When you say yes to Jesus, fishers of men. Last night, I had this revelation when I was praying about this sermon. I do not like... I do not appreciate massages. I know. How's that possible? To the point where if you bought me a gift certificate for a massage, I will say thank you and I will either go because it was a gift out of obligation or I will say, hey, I was given this gift by someone. I know you'd really value this. Can you go and enjoy? I know. Weirdo. Mm. I do love a head massage. So, like, sometimes when I go to Frankston shops and there's, like, those um, places you can just walk in, sometimes I go, oh, can I grab a 10-minute head massage? And if I'm really feeling a bit like, oh, let's give Lee some love, can I have a 20-minute head massage? I love it. Lo- like, I love it. Please don't give me one. <laughs> that would just be weird. <laughs> I just don't come and start rubbing my head in appropriate timing and place, you know? <laughs> My hair's probably on my up now, anyway. So recently I went and got my hair dyed because my grey hairs were coming out loud and proud and uh, I had to go to a different place because my regular person was away on holidays. So I go to this place and, you know, it comes time to wash my hair and they said, hey, we're going to do a treatment on your hair if that's all right. We'll give it a massage. And in my head I'm like, yeah, woohoo. So I'm lying there and they're giving me a massage and I'm like, oh, can you just finish? Already just finished. I'm like, something that I love is actually upsetting me. It's hurting me. And at the time, I didn't think about this. I was just too busy concentrating on the just hurry up, get it over and done with. So last night when I was thinking about this, I don't know why, I just was thinking about it. I went, oh, I hate it because I'm pressing my neck so hard against the bowl so water doesn't run down my back that what is meant to be enjoyable now is painful. Does anyone get the punchline here? What is meant to be enjoyable is now painful. Me? Oh, God is so good. Me? who loves the Lord, who wants to see the whole world saved. As a child, I used to just pray, God, save the world. There were too many names to name. I just prayed for everyone. Like literally, I just prayed for everyone. I want everyone to encounter God has allowed a bit of pain in 
where I'd keep my mouth shut now. Disappointment, hurt, where now I keep things to myself. So something that once brought me great joy is now silenced. Yeah, I, I talk about Jesus, but nowhere to the degree that I used to. Nowhere to the degree that brings me joy anymore. And I felt like God just saying, this year has been a year that I've heard some of the best messages about being sent out I think I've ever heard. And I'm not saying that because I've preached, other people have preached as well. And it's igniting a flame in my heart that was dimmed out. And it's making me go, hang on a minute. This should be the greatest joy. This should be the greatest pleasure is telling people about Jesus. Is introducing people about Jesus. Seeing myself catching people for salvation. And the beautiful thing about it last week, actually Tash, can you jump on keys? Last week, when I spoke about Matt, and my second point of last week was the words Jesus says, I will, I will make you fishers of men. So last week I spoke about the I will. And last night when I was praying about today, and I was thinking about my head going, oh, and I was repenting, like, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm not doing this. I am, but I'm not. And so as I'm praying last night, I was reminded with the I will. And I preached on it last week and I'm still like on a journey. And I was reminded of the I will. And here there's two parts to the I will. When Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men, it takes the pressure off. I don't have to perform. I don't have to do it myself. I don't have to pressure myself. I don't have to put pain on myself that turns something joyful into something unjoyful. Because I will. Jesus saying, I will do it through you. The second point is, He will do it. I know, point one was He will do it. Meaning when Jesus speaks, it's going to happen. When Jesus says something, it comes into being. So you might be sitting here going, Lee, it freaks me out talking to people about Jesus. I understand. I get scared sometimes. But the great thing about it is Jesus says you're going to do it. So we need to pick ourselves up and go, all right, you tell me I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it because you are not a liar. When Jesus chose His disciples, A, followers of Him, A, you and I. When He speaks, it happens. And when He looks at us and says, you will, be fish, you will make fishes of men. You will see lives change. You will turn people from darkness into light. I'm using you. It means it's going to happen. No ifs, buts, maybes. No, I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to speak. I'm not eloquent enough. I don't have a story. None of those matter. Why? Because He chose the disciples before they'd even done anything. Before that even opened their mouths, and let's be honest, what some of them had to say was, eh. He chose them and He said over their lives, you will make fishes of men. And before Jesus has even done anything, they said, but Lord, at Your Word, I'll do it. I'll follow. 
at your word. I say yes. So I'm excited. For my life, for the rest of this year, because out of his word, he's going to do something incredible. And we're going to see heaven on earth. I'm excited for this church because we've had, I don't even know how many Sundays this year. Let's just say 20 Sundays, 17 Sundays this year, where God has just been stirring a fire in here, a hunger in here to see heaven on earth where people have an opportunity to actually say, yes, Jesus. No more questions, no more excuses. No more, but, 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 but. Mom, but, but, but. But at your word, I'm saying yes. Where people in here are actually gonna say, yeah, tag, I'm in. Let's just close our eyes because I'm going to find that easier. Sorry, that was quite selfish. Close your eyes and focus on Jesus. A bit more holy. Wow. I was going to say this and I'm going to say it and then I'm going to say something else. Can you just imagine your family and your friends and your workplace and your neighbours encountering the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Encountering His goodness. Encountering heaven on earth. But before we even go down that path, my challenge right now, my question right now is, are you encountering it? Are you encountering His goodness? Are you encountering... Maybe you've kind of just not backslidden. I'm not going to use, I'm not on that train of thought. But maybe you're just not living from a place of joy and fruits of the Spirit. And maybe you're just doing day in, day out. And maybe you've forgotten how blessed you are as a Christian. My goodness, think about how blessed we are because of the goodness of our Father. Maybe some of you in here just need to remind yourselves about the pearl of great price. He sold everything to obtain it. Would you sell everything for this gift? right now 
So I'll invite if anyone else wants prayer for this as well. But maybe you're in here. And in your head, you know how good he is. But your heart's forgotten. In your head, you can say it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But in your heart, you're silent. but your heart's telling you you're disqualified. It's just with every eye closed. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just give me a wave. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Our God is so faithful and so kind. I say it all the time because it's so true. So God, I thank you so much that you're stirring, you're ministering, you're speaking, you're touching, you're coming alongside, Holy Spirit. Everyone whose hearts are needing that right now. I thank you, God, that you are faithful that you are faithful. And your word is final. And I pray, God, that today you're going to remind everyone in Echo Church of who they are, of how loved they are, I declare this week is going to be a week of signs, wonders and miracles because we believe. So God, I pray we're going to step out. We're going to open our mouths. And see it come to pass. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.